Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Armstrong. Like I say, almost each and every week, any questions or comments, concerns, send me an email at theforwardpodcast at wedosport.com, W-E-D-U-sport.com. Let me know what's on your mind. Just uh, just spent a couple days in Iowa for one of my favorite times of the year, an event for those non-cycling fans or people that have never been. Big event there called Ragbri. R-A-G-B-R-A-I, which means the Register's Annual Great Bike Ride Across Iowa. 30,000 people a day, a complete freak show on bikes. Like I said, literally uh, one of my favorite times of the year just to see so many people pedaling and uh, and and such a cool vibe there with bad food or good food, not so healthy food, but good food. Cold beer, good friends. We went with a great group of guys. My buddy Jimmy Johnson, Matt Kenseth, Ryan Dungey, Mike Closure, John Castamus, of course, Bolchka. Uh, it was a great, great trip. And so uh, thanks to TJ and everybody out there and along the way for making us feel welcome. Cannot wait to get back. Um, hey, and then also, too, another thing's uh, – Stages podcast. I'm a little. I'm having kind of withdrawals from the Stages podcast, and and uh, getting a lot of comments about where we take that next. Uh, stay tuned. Could be some interesting things happening there. And then also too, we refilled. This is just crazy, but uh, the We Do store uh, with all the cool tees and hats and stuff. We we restocked that. Unfortunately, it sold out again. Uh, so to those of you who keep coming back, uh, thank you for coming back. And if you missed it, I guess we'll restock it again at some point. But just keep checking in. Hey, and it, on that note, if you can, uh, take a second and go sign up at wedosport.com, and we'll keep you updated on uh, the latest offerings. To say that I'm a little excited about my guest this week would be a massive understatement. I grew up in Dallas, watched every Dallas Cowboys game I could, um, was born at a time when we had the golden era of the Dallas Cowboys with Roger Staubach and Tony Dorsett and Drew Pearson and Ed Tutal Jones and guys like that. And then we went through a, a, a lull and then came just this magical run with, with my guests this week, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, Ken Norton Jr., Daryl the Moose Johnston, Jay Novacek, you name it. Um, it was a fun time and a fun ride, and it's been a frustrating couple decades. But uh, ran into Troy in Aspen, Colorado, and he was gracious enough to come on. The guy is, by the way, too, I mean, you're going to listen to it, but just imagine this dude walked up to the front door. He was 6'5", 225, completely ripped. It was He was the gnarliest-looking dude I've ever been around. And uh, I was like, wow. Is that what it takes to be a quarterback in the NFL? But uh, fascinating conversation. And again, Troy, thanks for coming on. Hope you guys enjoy. See you next week. And uh, enjoy. All right, Troy, thanks for being here. I I'm a huge fan, a huge fan Thank of the Dallas Cowboys, so this is super special for me. But I have a question first. What, what, 
just what in the fuck are you doing in the gym? This is <laughs> no, and this is an audio podcast, but if people could see, well, seriously, yeah, you know, I, uh, I I've always worked out, you know, of course, and had to as a professional athlete, and then and then I would say that when I when I retired, I had some. It's a long way of getting to your answer, getting to the answer, but. I had back problems when I retired from sure. football, right. and I was about five years into retirement and was not getting any, re any relief. Yep. Uh, I was still having a lot of problems, and then I just happened to walk into this gym in Dallas and met a trainer, and I asked him if he could write some programs for me. Uh, I got tired of doing the same workouts, and by chance, I met a really great trainer who understood the body and had me start to do some exercises, a lot of core work and things that really made a difference with my back. And I've been with them now for 12 years, and it's, it's I, I feel, I mean, you say this when you get old, but I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. Yeah. Um, my weight's down, my body fat's down, my body fat's probably as low as it's, as it's ever been. But, but I could tell. But I, but, I, but I work out hard, you know, I mean, I, I work out a couple hours a day and, and do cardio, you know, every day, and so try to eat, eat well. Um, so I've been able to, you know, stay in some kind of shape, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's worked for me. What did you? What was your body weight when you played? I played at roughly two twenty five to two thirty five, uh, and now I'm about two twenty five is what I what I weigh. But it's a it's a better distributed weight. Right. Um, I wish I was doing the the workouts that I that I've done post career while I was playing. While I think playing. it might have prolonged my career because I really didn't do a lot of core work. I, sure. You know, I didn't do a lot of the exercises that I'm now doing that I think of are, are functional exercises that really help me in day-to-day -day life. Think, I think you're exactly right. My son plays football, my oldest son. And, you know, what, what I can imagine, not that the trainers at the Cowboys back in the day didn't know what they were doing, but right. back then it was old it's school. Changed. The bench press and squats and... And it, you yeah, know, a lot now of heavy it's, deadlifts and, 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 you know, power cleans and, and things like that. And, uh, I, I don't use barbells. I mean, it's a lot of free motion equipment. Yep. And the one area where I really have lacked that I've got to get better at is, is the stretching. I mean, I've, right. you know, it's got, you know, I work out so much and I don't spend as much time with the stretching. I need to get into yoga or Pilates or something. Uh, and so that's the, the next frontier for me. But when you talk, yeah, like those guys back then versus, and I'm sure I don't know how the NFL trains today, but this idea of movement and stability and core and I mean, they would have they would have thought right. What, you, what, right. what kind of crap is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's changed. It's, yes. it's changed dramatically. And and you know even these young younger athletes, the guys that are you know probably in college and certainly the ones that are young and that are going into the NFL, uh, they they have a whole team you yeah. know now that they they work out with and nutritionists and the money's gotten so good that they can afford to do all those things and. So it's worked out really well for yeah. a lot of these younger athletes to to get probably a little bit better training just because of the the information that's out there. Now. And when you, if you when you say you wish you would have known him when you played, you think you'd have played longer or better or both? Um, maybe both, but I think I would have played longer because uh, you know there's a, there's this notion that I retired because of concussions. I, I really did not, and I haven't had any issues with the concussions that I did have. Yeah. Uh, I retired because I was having a lot of back problems. Right. I'd had back surgery early in my career, and, and I think that I wouldn't have had – I've been back pain-free for the last 10 years, and I think that he would because have Because of me. this guy. That's right. And I didn't – you know, I should know this, but I didn't even know the back was that bad. So I read this – GQ wrote this profile about you right. a few months ago. Right. Or maybe six months ago. And you had been on the cover in 93, and the journalist in the article – and you, the listener can go find it on GQ.com – but – 
uh, just don't sign up for their mailing list because I got to tell you right now, that's the hardest mailing list to get off of in the <laughs> entire internet. I've hit unsubscribe on GQ 500 times. I get them every day. Yeah, that's one I don't get. I don't know why. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> just watch out. Subscribe. So, uh, but the but the original shoot, and this just sounds crazy. Maybe he was, you know, giving it some drama. But you you dressed for the suit, and by the way, the the style in '93 was amazing. <laughs> a double-breasted suit. Check out God's quarterback. Uh, yeah, presumably because you played for God's team. That's right. But you were in so much pain that day. You you could not undress yourself alone. That's right. That's people yeah, can't that people was, right. That was after our first Super Bowl win. So I was twenty-six years old, and uh, you're and, thinking and it had uh, had not yet had back surgery. I had injured my back in the weight room that off season, and. And it just wasn't healing, and I'd been trying to jog. I'd take a couple of weeks off, and then it would flare up. And th yeah, that particular shoot, uh, I was in back spasms. In fact, they propped me up against a wall. I'm leaning up against a wall because I just literally could not sweating. move. I was sweating, sweating. And then, you know, profusely. <laughs> and uh, then when they got done, I, w I went into the locker room to get changed. We did it there at the Cowboys facility, and I, every time I every time I tried to. Un you know, drop my pants and and change out of this suit, I I couldn't do it. My back would lock up, and I was. Literally, it's about five o'clock in the afternoon. I'm laying in the locker, saying I'm gonna have to sleep here tonight till right. someone comes in. And it just, as luck would have it, a couple teammates walked in and saw me, and uh, they helped me, you know, get out of my suit and get dressed. And that's when I went to the doctor and and got another checkup and and realized that I had the herniated disc. God. I don't think anybody. I've had pain in my day, but I can't relate to that. And certainly, well, most people listening, I don't think, can relate to that. It's a brutal game. Yeah. It's yeah, it is. They're, you know, they, and and they're trying to obviously now trying yep. to do what they can to make it safer. It's just they got a, no it's choice. a physical sport. But they have you know? no choice. That's right. I mean, these parents. You know, I I have I have a son that I just admitted that, and, and everybody that listens knows that my son's going to be a senior. He plays offensive line at Westlake High School. That's like Friday Night Lights stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, this will be his last year that he plays football. But and then I have a eight year old boy who loves football. You just met him. We just came right. from football camp. His mom's like, he can't play football. You know, the, so the, I'm not, I don't know the answer, but I know that there's enough concern yeah. in the, in the, in the minds of American parents that they're yeah, like, they're, they're trying, the, what time is swim practice? When's lacrosse? Well, yeah. And, and I've been asked, I mean, as a former player, I've been asked, what would you do? And I, and I don't have a son, I have girls, but if, and my answer to that is I don't have a son. If I did, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discourage him from playing but I wouldn't encourage him to play either, gotcha. you know, whereas like soccer and some of the other sports and not that soccer is the safest sport either, you know, when they talk about head injuries, but, sure. but with my girls, I love the fact that they're active and I encourage them to, to be active and they're athletic. So they play. But if I had a son and I wouldn't be saying, Hey, you know, maybe you ought to consider playing football. And, and I think there's going to come a time, if not real, real soon that we're going to look back and say, gosh, I mean, anyone who played tackle football before high school, you know, they were barbaric. I, I just think that it's just a matter of time before you will not see kids prior to high school playing in full pads because mm. they're, you know, there's no reason to quite mm. honestly. Is it bullshit that the NFL has taken all the, I mean, obviously you, you, you talk about the NFL all the time. I think you're on the the board of the NFL, or at least I read somewhere. And, and I think the NFL has to accept some responsibility. But these, most of these, obviously, all of these guys played from the age of five. They were getting lit up, and right. then in high school. I mean, the the licks that I see at high school football games. Yeah. That if the kid goes on to play in the you know it's high school and then college and then finally they get to this place where the NFL 
is the one that has to answer for it. it right. I don't, you know. Well, they're trying to, the, the league, I think the league has done all that they can. And I, I think that the high school level coaches and organizations and college and all that, I think that the, the, the game of football has been pared back as much as it possibly can, short of just taking the helmets off and, and everything else. And, and, and there are going to continue to be head injuries. It's just the, the nature of it when you're playing a contact sport. Uh, by the way, if you race bicycles in the Tour de France, that's right. I mean, the crash that Richie Port had in, in the first or the second week of the Tour de France, it, that is a concussion. That's right. Well, you can't not be. Right. I don't care what kind of helmet you're wearing. Right. And so that, yeah, it happens in, like you said, soccer and, and endurance sports. And, yeah. You know, I'd, I had Brett Favre on here a couple months ago, an old friend of mine. By the way, he too... I mean, you guys. Uh, it's, well, he's uh, doing, what is he doing? Ironmans and he's stuff. Do, like he's that. he's <laughs> but he's he's right. Yeah, he's doing tries. Not doing yeah, Ironmans. He right. did the sprint triathlon and and um, and uh, down in the Keys. And he rides. And we were actually at Bo Jackson's ride. And by the way, Bo does not look like the two of y'all. <laughs> but we were at Bo's ride in in Auburn, and uh, we got we started talking about concussions. And he has two girls as well. Right. And I said, well, what would if they were boys? Would you let them play? And he said, no. Yeah. Harris Barton. Good friend of mine. Nope. Um, his, it's not so much him, but the boss lady, she's, the, he has a boy. She says, my son, she's seen his teammates and his friends, just the mess that it's, she, there's no way my son's playing football. Right. So that's a more rigid approach, obviously, right. but man. And I think the league, I mean, you know better because you, you cover it and, and look at the numbers and, you know, the fact that viewership for the first time ever was down you wonder if it's that or if it's the other issues and yeah i think there's probably a lot to it um i, I maybe head injury somewhere plays a part in that um i know the league now this year is uh they're they're getting a little more lax on some of their rules regarding celebrations uh you know i think that maybe you know you maybe they, the, now they can celebrate now they can celebrate it. it's a little looser and, yes. and and they and they should and and you know, my I read a book years ago, and it was called America's Game, and it talked about some of the missteps by baseball that 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 allowed football to surpass it in popularity, and some of the one of the missteps anyway was the oversaturation of the game on television, hmm. and you know, and I don't know what the impact of what we've had happen in the NFL is is contributing maybe to the decline last year in in ratings. Hmm. But now you have football on Sunday night, Monday night, and then at Thursday night, Thursday nights, and then of course you know Sunday afternoon, and uh, and then in some parts of the season you have it on Saturday night. Right. And so when you do that, there there was when they first did the Thursday nights. Well, how's this going to be received? Well, it was received great. I mean, the ratings were through the roof, and you just like, gosh, nobody can get enough of the NFL. But this last year, teams hated it. Yeah, this last year, I think that and 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 it kind of flew in the face of player safety when you're saying you're going to sure. play on Sunday and then turn around and play on Thursday, Short week. you know, it, it's not, it's not what's best for the players right. in terms of safety. But I think this last year with the ratings going down and it could have been because of the presidential election, it could be for other reasons. We'll find out this year if it, if it bounces back, but uh, you know, maybe, maybe for the first time the NFL realized that, you know, people can get enough of the NFL, you know, they don't necessarily have to yeah. have it. And to me, that's the biggest risk you run into <laughs> When you have a game on Thursday nights and it's not on network television and they're in the early going 
people knew there was a game on, but they couldn't get to it and couldn't watch it. Because it was it. on the NFL Network. That's right. And, I, and is, I think that when you when you give people a reason to, 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 to say, you know what? Yeah, I didn't miss that. Hmm. I don't necessarily have to watch this. It's not that big of a deal. I, I, I think it. I think you got to be real careful when you give someone yeah. the opportunity to say that. You could put a gun to my head and say, "Okay, what channel is the NFL Network?" And I, I couldn't. Right. I couldn't. I want to read another quote in this in this GQ article. The, Clay Skipper wrote this thing. I never met him, but I thought it was a great article. But this just this is the last thing we'll talk about on concussions, and and it has an interesting twist to this story, or an interesting part of the story for the listener. So. And they, and they actually have on here this video of you getting lit up at your rookie season in 1989, which it, it, it was, it was, dude, I can't even imagine <laughs> this. And, and the video ends, and you still haven't moved or gotten up. So I, obviously, it ended okay because you're here. But yeah. <laughs> it says the most notorious of, sorry, the most notorious of his licks came in the 1994 NFC Championship. So this is a different hit. But anyways. The most notorious of his licks came in the 1994 NFC Championship game against the 49ers when Troy took a knee to the head so hard that he had to be told by his agent, who's Lee Steinberg, who I want to get into, uh, multiple times in the hospital after the game that, yes, he had played well, and that, yes, he had won, and that, yes, that meant they were going to the second consecutive Super Bowl, which was just a week later. Right. You didn't... Uh, yeah, I still have uh, I, I still have no recollection of having played in that game. I, there, there, you know, I, people ask me, "Hey, how many concussions did you have?" And I, and I don't know. I mean, seven, eight. I'm not sure exactly what they were. And when when I retired, when they were talking about concussions, Steve Young and I were the two poster boys for mm. concussions. I mean, the, whenever the topic was brought up, it was me and Steve. And and I said at the time, I said, I really feel whatever that number is. Let's just say it's seven. That. It's I a good number. I probably got out, you know, in really good shape, yeah. because you can't tell me that that guys who Daryl Johnson, for instance, our fullback, the moose, you can't tell me he didn't have way more than seven concussions. Doing, you know, he was a battering ram. He hit on every single play with his head, and he's offensive lineman. And and what's come out is basically that what I thought is true, especially these subconcussive hits by these offensive linemen. The repetitiveness of that. That's been proven to be far more dangerous than than some of the blows that maybe I suffered. Hmm. And of the ones that I had, I had two serious ones. One was my rookie year that you that you alluded to. Uh, I was knocked out cold for probably ten minutes. And then the other one was the championship game there, to where and, and it looked like just an innocuous hit. You know, I mean, I was going to the ground. It was a defensive lineman whose knee just happened to catch me. Didn't look vicious at just all. Just random, bad luck. Just a random deal where you, if you get hit in the right spot. And, uh, you know, I spent the night in the hospital and still to this day have no memory of playing in that championship game. I got complete amnesia from it. But those were the two significant concussions that I had. Uh, and I'm thankful that, you know, I've gone and I've been tested. Uh, I, 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 do when you hear about other guys who have played a long time and they're experiencing some of the things that they are and i've talked to some former teammates i won't mention who they are but they they've said hey they they've experienced some things that concern sure. them and and i have not and yeah. and and i think that part of my job with fox when you have to recall names and stats and numbers and whatever it might be i you know whether that helps me or not in terms of staying sharp i don't know but what it does is it at least helps me realize that okay you're you're not slipping you know right. and right. some of the things that you know, maybe could be a concern for others has not been for me. Yeah, Favre, Favre admits that he's he's starting to feel some, yeah, or have yeah. some. I don't want to say issues, but things that he's like, hmm, right. I should know this. Mm -hmm. I should remember this. 
And and Bo Jackson and he was he was also on the podcast. He's another old friend of mine. But he he describes a lick he took at the old Olympic Stadium there, the Memorials or the stadium in L.A., where he he didn't know which end he I mean he had to hold on to uh, I think it was Burline Burline just yeah. said, hold him, <laughs> just follow me. He had to hold on to his jersey just to get out. I mean he had to run out the concession stand. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> Burline. That's just the first time you mentioned his name on your podcast. Well, Bo, he was well, a teammate of mine. Berlin I know. Was a, Berlin well, was my backup. Great guy. So, Well, and I might be getting it wrong. And if I did, that's what the beauty of this is we're going to edit it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was whoever it was, was it was the No, Raider, it probably was Steve. It was Raiders quarterback. Yeah. That's the guy yeah. that – and the one thing that got him – he kept asking him, like, what day is – it's pretty funny. I should know this. But what day is payday? And Bo he didn't know that. He didn't even know what day payday was. So <laughs> they knew Bo got hit up hard. Yeah. Um, well, shit. <laughs> How's Tony Romo going to do? In the booth, I think he'll do great. I think he'll do great. I haven't said that. I, I it, it is a, it's a big leap. Big. It's a and I really big leap. I mean, for me, I I was able to. I, first of all, I, I went over to Europe uh, and did games in Europe two different years. You know, mm. did a couple games each of those seasons, and then uh, and then when I decided to retire and go into the booth, my first year, I was in a three man booth on the number two crew. And then the number one booth opened up when Madden went to Monday Night Football, and and Fox didn't want to replace Madden and Summerall with a two man team. They didn't want the comparisons, and so I spent another three years in a three man booth with Chris Collinsworth and and Joe Buck, and and I learned a lot from Chris. You know, Chris had been in broadcasting a number of years prior to me, and got to spend three seasons with him and see how he prepares and how he goes about broadcasting, and you know, so to it's it's a bit unprecedented uh i think boomer sison went to the number one booth but he was in a three-man booth initially in the monday night crew but he he wasn't going alongside jim nance i mean jim nance is for our generation whether you're you know love football or whether you love golf and watch the masters and all the 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 majors i mean this is this you know he's yeah he's fucking jim nance well yeah he is and and i think that in some ways that's that's helpful to tony because because mm-hmm. jim will he knows broadcasting and, he, and he'll be able to help him you know and spend some time with him uh you know jim's jim does a lot as you said i mean joe's been really helpful to me and, yeah. and was early in my broadcasting with him he, you know he's a bit of a protege and and you know he was able to just say hey here here's you know kind of how you do it here's the mechanics of it here's what listeners need to hear uh so i i think tony will do well what what happens it seems so quick, though. Well, it is quick, and, 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 and it's quick in the sense that you're referring to it as, but it's also quick because you think when you get out of the game, whether it's a coach or as a player, that you're going to teach the fans you know, what the game of football really is all about. I know so much about this sport that I'm going to really teach these viewers and, and teach them what I know. The problem with today's game, it's even worse now than it was when I first got into this broadcasting, is the game has sped up so much. There's very little time in between plays. These these teams are just snapping the ball, snapping the ball. <laughs> and so as the as the analyst, you gotta you gotta talk in little fifteen second sound bites. And yeah. you don't have time to break something down on a chalkboard, you right. know? And so that becomes the real challenge is trying to make meaningful points. And do it in a very short window of time. I would suck then. And uh, just be spewing. It's hard. Um, and Nance would be like, oh, "You got to stop talking." Yeah, and bro. there's a lot going on. There is so much happening in yep. the booth that when you're listening to something on the air at home, you don't realize, you know, how fast paced everything is up in the booth. And getting used to all that, uh, it, it, it takes a little time. And the other thing that the real disadvantage that Tony's going to have is that he has two games a week 
to start the season off. I mean, he's going to be doing a game Thursday night, turn around and do a game on Sunday. It, t- it takes me a full week to do get ready for one game and to try to do two games when you're just learning really kind of the, the business. Yeah. Uh, that'll be challenging. Yeah. And we'll talk about the prep because a, a buddy of mine is, is good friends with Joe Buck. Or not good friends, but buddies with him and plays golf with him in Cabo. And I, I don't want to get into it just yet because but the stories Buck tells about you and your quote unquote preparation for these games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk because that to me is so fascinating. But just last thing on Romo, I mean, because he, and this for me personally is just part of the whole cowboy story, which is just so frustrating can't take it every, every listener on this show knows i just cannot take it it just it, when he retires and he uh, we know the story and we can talk about the story but he retires and then bam immediately he's given this this chair next to jim nance and and phil sims who you know you guys people you have fans and detractors and whatever but it just seems like they would have done some some studies or some 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 just known that not studies but some simulations to know that he can do it did they do, you think right they, i don't know that i like, don't let's know go they, call a game turn down the volume and you guys call it and let's see if it's any good which is typically what happens that's that's what generally happens before you get hired um yeah. you know er, everyone that i know had done some body of work before they were hired and you know, and maybe for Tony, it didn't make sense. You know, he, he was a bit of a hot commodity. There were some other people that were showing interest in him. And, and you know, w- w- there was no reason for him to necessarily do that if he had yeah. suitors that were willing to pay. And so he was able to negotiate the best deal. And uh, But, yeah, I think it's, uh, it is interesting that they, that they didn't do that. I think th- the one thing that I've learned about this business is there are those that you think are going to be good in television – and there's those who you don't think would ever be good in television, and it doesn't always translate. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's some who I thought would be great that, that weren't. Yeah. People didn't think that I would be any good in television, and maybe I'm not, but I've still got a job, you know, and so I'm still doing it. And, and so I, I don't think that you can really take an, even how someone interviews and say this person's going to be great at television. I, I think it always is a bit of a crapshoot as to whether or not someone's going to yeah. really be good at the, at the craft. But a lot of pressure. Yeah. I mean, if I'm Tony Romo and that's game one. Yeah, because the difference in being the number one analyst and the number two analyst is is, is, is a big difference in terms of how you're scrutinized, you, right. you know, and, and what's expected. And and, um, and I feel like as, as part of the number two crew my first year that I, I was able to learn. I was able to make some mistakes. I was able to say some things that mm. that weren't necessarily, you know, the right thing. And I didn't get hammered by it, you know. Right. I mean, I, I think people understood that, okay, hey, but when you're when you're in the number one booth doing the number one game each week, I, I think the expectations are a lot higher. You know, Chris Sims, the son of Phil Sims, mm-hmm. said that, and this is you know, this is just I follow Chris Sims because he played at University of Texas, right. and and I followed the story because it, it was just seemed quick to me. But Sims alleged that Jim Nance wanted a golfing buddy because Phil doesn't play golf, and so they're always on the road, and he he wanted this. Chris Sims said. My dad basically said my dad got fired because he wanted a guy that sitting next to him that that, that he could go play golf with yeah. every day. Well, I don't I don't have any in, insight into <laughs> no, that. No, of course but, not. But how but about that? I, you know, Phil's Phil's a good friend of mine. Uh, I've always thought a lot of him. It's my understanding that that you know he he really wasn't even told. I mean, he was on vacation yeah, and right. then we just kind of heard that <laughs> Romo just got the number one job and. You know, Phil's been their number one analyst for a long time, so I don't, I don't know that from afar as an outsider, it yeah. doesn't appear 
you know, the CBS has certainly their their position on it, but it doesn't appear that it was handled as well as it could have been right. handled. Yeah. Right. Well, it's it's a big it's cutthroat business. You know yeah. that. Shit. Speaking of Phil Sims, is it true you hate the New York Giants? Did I hate the New York Giants? Yeah. No, I don't hate anything. My buddy, who I told him you were coming on today, and he says, he, he basically, and he was kidding. He's like, oh, fuck him. He hates the Giants. Yeah. Well, I got and, Cowboys you know, the fans. Giant, the Giants fans, you know, we're going to get into talking about it <laughs> because this to me would be impossible, but Giants fans think that you're hard on them. Right. Overly hard. Well, here's what happens. And, and look, the Packers fans, they think that we, we hate the Packers, and the Seahawks fans think we hate the Seahawks, yeah. and Eagles, and Redskins, and, and so forth. And uh, I remember when I was playing... John Madden, who's a very close friend of mine, and he was when I was playing. I would talk to good buddies of mine who I played with in college, and they would say, oh, John Madden, I hate when he does Cowboy games. He hates the Cowboys. Right. I said, what? He loves the Cowboys. Yeah. Wait, how can you say that? I just talked to him yesterday. Yeah, I said, he loves the Cowboys. He didn't hate the Cowboys. Give me a break. And I knew John didn't hate any teams. You know, and I, I don't hate any teams. But Joe said, it, Joe sure. said it best. Joe said it best that fans always say they, 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 they want you to be unbiased. They really don't. They, they want you to be biased, but they want you to be biased for their team. And so whenever you say anything that doesn't jive with the way their rooting interest, well, then especially if you're a former Cowboys quarterback, well, then you hate, your, you hate their team. I, I, I honestly don't hate any team. I don't pull for any team. I pull for good games. So I find myself, if a team's down by 14 points, I want to see them score so we can make this a game because right. they're just more fun to call. But Beyond that, my life is does not change no matter who's winning and who's losing in mm -hmm. the NFL. I go home and and do my thing, and so you know I can say that till I'm blue in the face. But but I think fans just kind of hear what of they want to hear. They think if you're and calling the that. Cowboys, yeah, I understand that. And they're looking but I have for Cowboy little... fans who think I hate the Cowboys. You know, I get a lot of that too. But it could be well, but I could imagine that you would have to in that position. If it were me, I would have to take a position sometime just so that the opposing, whether it's the Giants or the Packers or whoever, says okay. He's going to call this down. Yeah, the I don't. Uh, I, I, I don't feel like I try to balance the ledger at all. I, mm -hmm. I just think that you know, if 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 I'm if I'm covering a game and something good happens and a guy plays great, makes a great play, then I then I comment on that. If a guy makes a mistake, then I, that's my job to point that out. And it it doesn't matter. And if if, if coaches are making poor decisions, you know, as an analyst, I got to have an opinion on that. And it doesn't matter if, if it's the Cowboys team or and, – and, and I do think that sometimes there's those within the Cowboys organization that think that maybe I should be you know, more forgiving or a little more lenient with them. But I, I, don't, I don't view it that way. I think – I just try to be as honest as I can be. You and, still have a lot of your, peop your people there. You got Jerry. Right. You, got, you have Jason Garrett who was your backup. You right. mentioned, though, that you, you don't cheer for teams. You cheer for good games. Right. And you called last year's Super Bowl with the Patriots and the right. – and the Atlanta Falcons and Thomas Dimitrov is the GM of the Falcons is a good friend of mine has been on this show. Uh, we were at that Super Bowl I was with Anna and my two boys, um, and uh, for for a half that was not a very good game. Right? Would you ever have thought? No. Right. No. My boys wanted to leave. They leaned. They leaned in and they said, "Okay, Dad." Maybe we should uh, beat the traffic. I was like, "Are you out yeah. of your mind, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick?" Hell no, we're not leaving. Well, so then you then you saw that it might there was at least a chance, and w you know we did the Super Bowl. Also, know what I paid for the tickets. Yeah, <laughs> we did the Super Bowl three years ago in uh, in New York when it was Denver and Seattle, and Seattle comes out as you know, and they they were they were winning big at halftime. I told Joe at halftime. I said, "Joe, this is the greatest thing that could have happened." I said, Denver had the number one offense. I said, Peyton's going to rally. They're going to come back. And, and this is going to be one of the all-time great finishes. 
Well, the opening kickoff, they kick off to Percy Harvins for Seattle. He takes it the distance, and, and, and it ended the game. You knew the game was over right there. So here we are killing time the whole rest of the half. So when this game at halftime, Joe says to me, he says, man, he says, uh, we're talking about last, this, this, this last, yeah. this last yeah. game. And, or I did, I said to him, I said, I can't believe this. I said, I remember we used to get great Super Bowls because prior to that game between Denver and Seattle, we had always had great Super Bowls whenever we were calling the game. I said, this is unbelievable. I, mean, I thought we were going to get a good game and it's terrible. And then they, you know, what happened happened. And, and Joe reminded me of that statement at the end of the game towards the end when we went into overtime. He says, Hey, you remember when, uh, remember when we used to get some good Super Bowls? And Did you say that on the air? I didn't say it on the air. No. Okay. And Joe didn't say it to, to me on the air okay, either. Gotcha. It was when we were off the air. Gotcha. But I was like, man, the, the, he busted you. There, there was probably, I say 12 plays. I don't know what the number is, but whatever it is, 10, 12, that if the Falcons make any one of those plays, they, they win the game. Of course. I mean, it's over. And if the owner doesn't walk down. It's unbelievable. What and to be a part of that was was uh, was really a lot of fun. Thomas was here the other day and just visiting here in Aspen, and and he's excited. He's got you know uh, he's got a new offensive coordinator. He believes in in uh, Sarkeesian and right. He thinks that connection between him and Matt Ryan is better than perhaps it was. And yeah, you know maybe you know, you never know. And Matt's Matt's been uh, he's had to learn a few different offenses. Good. He's had a lot of coordinators here for a guy who's had as much success as he's had. Um, I think Kyle was was good for him. I, they what they did offensively last year was 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 great. They did a lot of nice things, scored a lot of points. And well, they think it's going to be better. Yeah. Well, that uh, you may want to go put some money on them in Vegas. Then I don't gamble. <laughs> I gamble on myself on the golf course. I don't. Uh, uh, that's the only thing I gamble on. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> I, bet, I bet on the Super Bowl. What am I? I bet on that game. And Thomas, who listens to this podcast religiously. I'm not even. I can't even talk about who I bet on and what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just, I understand. I might lose a friend. I might lose a <laughs> yeah, friend. Right. Thomas, I know you're listening, uh, <laughs> man. This is when you earmuffs, buddy. Huh. Earmuffs. You play golf, right? Uh, in this article or one of these articles, it I said used you. To. I, I don't really play much anymore. That that's bad for the back. Yeah, it's not why I don't play, but. Just takes so much I, time. I played. Um, I really got ate up with golf as soon as I retired, and uh, you it, got it down to a three. I think. Yeah. You said. It just became my obsession to to have something to wake up and try to get better at, and uh, worked hard at it, and had a lot of fun, and 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 really loved competing. And then uh, you know, with the kids, as they started to get older and start occupying more of my time, yep. and you know, now in the last three, four years, I'm averaging four rounds a year. I have not played one round since the season ended this, this summer and, and have no interest in playing. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. And then when I do occasionally get out, I'm so bad that that's not fun. I can't compete, right. you know? And, uh, so I don't know. I, I, there's a tendency for me to think that maybe when my girls who are going into ninth and 10th grade, that when they graduate from high school and I have more time that I'll, play again but I, i'm not so sure i will i mm. i just really have not missed playing they got boyfriends uh not really i mean they could, my oldest my sophomore she uh she she occasionally says she has one but the, right. not really date right. not the dating so thing. we have we both have so i have twin 15 year olds and one of them you know has a quote-unquote boyfriend and so it's just an inch i asked just as a dad it's like wait yeah. a minute hang on a second yeah yeah i know it's no, a little weird yeah it uh and are your daughters constantly on the phone, staring at their device? Yeah, pretty much. God. Pretty much. I, okay. 
Good. Yeah. I mean, we, not good, I, but good. At the dinner table, I'm not a and when we're loser. in restaurants, and so no, that's right. You're 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 doing okay, and and but you know, there's certain rules that I have as far as when they can be on them and all that, um, or when they cannot be on them. Better yeah. said, but you know, I, I'm on mine a lot too. You know, it's right. one of those deals, and I just know the times are different, and so I try to keep that in perspective and. And uh, understand it's just part of the world we're in. Right well, your fiance should she can check you on that. Anna's always like, "What are you doing on your phone?" Yeah, and not like in a weird way, but like, "What what, do you, what could you possibly be doing right now that's so important?" Yeah, I don't know. I'm just checking the scores. <laughs> of, just checking the golf scores from the open. I mean, honey, we're all good here. I'm not sexting. Mm-hmm. Promise. Just looking at a little, uh, you know, the leaderboard. <laughs> Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. And, and if I start sweating and jumping up and down and getting really pissed off, it's just going to happen. Okay. Because I grew, I grew up in Dallas and grew up a Cowboys fan, but I went through this, you know, as growing up as a kid, it was Tom Landry and Roger Staubach and Drew Pearson and Tony Dorsett and Ed Tuttle Jones. And then we went through a, a, a lull, which every team does. Right. And then I get to grow up in my early 20s with you and with Emmett and Michael Irvin and Jay Novacek and, and the Moose and Ken Norton and, and Haley. And, and now it, it's been, what has it been? It's been how many years? It's been 21 years since we even went to a Super Bowl. Yeah. So I'm not asking any questions right now. I'm just saying yeah. this, is, this, is, this is a real problem for me. And the, and. Let's talk about Jerry Jones. Okay. Because the thing to me, it seems to me that Jerry, Jerry's the GM, and it's his team. Jerry can be, he could be the quarterback if he wanted That's to. That's right. He could. Yeah. And so hats off to him. Um, but should he be the GM? I mean, shouldn't he, or is he not really the GM? Yeah, I think that. Because when the Cowboys suck, people get mad at Jerry. Sure. Or Romo to an extent. And I, but, think, that, I think that that's fair. I mean, um, I, I don't think Jerry would say that that's unfair. Mm. I think that that's part of it. Uh, he is the GM, and that, and and as the owner, I mean, every owner ultimately is the ultimate decision maker, uh, and and he is all of that. And then, as a general manager, he has the ability to make final say yep. on personnel. But but there there there's a guy named Will McClay who who, in my opinion, basically serves in the role that a general manager would. He's just not titled that. Gotcha. You know, general managers... It's not Stephen Jones. No. At the other other teams are are not doing stadium deals. They're they're not selling sponsorships. They're not selling suites. They're not showing up in meetings, you know, or cutting ribbons, you know, because somebody just is leased out of space at the star, you know, up there in Frisco. There's... There's a lot going on uh, in Jerry's world, you know, and so he there's no there's not enough hours in a day for him then to to also fulfill all the responsibilities mm-hmm. and duties that a typical general manager would have. So there's a lot of help that's involved there, but uh, I think that with that is uh, is why some fans get frustrated. Yeah, you know that that I don't understand the whole dynamic as far as who's all doing what, but. Uh, there's no question that if Jerry's titled the general manager, he's not flying to these small towns during the week and looking at these players, right. you know, and putting together his draft board workouts. and all that. I mean, that's just not happening. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And this, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, 
All right, I, I'm softening on on Jerry. I mean, obviously, last season was was a special season for a frustrated yeah. Cowboys fan, but but it also kind of seemed. I wouldn't be surprised if we had another tough season. It right. just it, you, you never know. No, you don't. You, you don't, don't know. You don't know, and you know we don't know how how Dak's going to play. We don't know Ezekiel Elliott's what his situation is. This we're gonna. I got. I want to talk about these. And, young kids. and even with all that, you just don't. From one year to the next, outside of the Patriots and Packers and Seahawks, it just seems like you just kind of sit there and say, "Well, you know, no team really knows what they're going to be from one mm. season to the next." Mm. Well, I think that's the as a as a old school Cowboys fan. That's the frustrating thing. You see a Patriot; they're always good. Like it's right. they don't have these years with the twenty years where they're just terrible. Right. <laughs> what well, they've done is pretty. And incredible. I say this out of love. And Anna and all my for you, 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 I, for years I couldn't even watch a Cowboys game. But I'm I'm coming around. I'm coming around. I wor- I worry about. And and I and and growing up in Dallas and seeing and the stories are legendary of what what a Dallas. I, Maybe policing is different today, but what historically a Dallas Cowboy could get away with in that town was, you know, right. they, they kind of yeah. just did what they wanted. And But I don't think, so if Ezekiel Elliott thinks that it's still that way, I don't think it's still that way. No. I and I For and, a whole lot of different reasons. Yeah, and I think that, that you know, look, I, I think the guy, uh, what little dealings I've had with him, I, I don't think he's... Um, I'm, I'm careful in how I say this, but I, I don't think he's necessarily a bad guy. Um, but I also don't buy into, well, he's 21 years old or he's 22 years old or however old he is or any other player in the NFL. That's old enough to know right from wrong and how to act. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, at 22, I knew, I'm not saying I always did the right thing, but but I knew what was right and I knew how I was supposed to act. So you can't put it off on youth and and he's coming from a, a big program at Ohio State where there was a lot of attention and a lot of focus on him there. This isn't new territory. It's not a small school guy who all of a sudden is with the Dallas Cowboys and he's just not accustomed to that kind of attention. Uh, and and it's a different time. I mean, uh, there's no question that if cell phones and cameras and all that were around when I was a rookie. You know, it, it would have curtailed some of the fun that, that me and my buddies were able to have. You know, but you have to adjust to the times, and and uh, so far, at least, it doesn't seem he's been able to do that. If you, you I say this all the time, I, I always I use three people as an example. If if they lived in the era that we live in today, with cell phones and constant coverage of of good things you do and bad things you do, so I say Michael Jordan, Frank Sinatra, and JFK. If they lived today, right. They they would be destroyed. Yeah, I mean, we as a society and the machine that the the this this obsession with sensationals they would be destroyed. So these kids they got to know that. Right. Yeah, you just got to know that anything you do is probably going to be captured on on video and then social media and posted and and uh, pretty soon we'll watch know. it live. Yeah, like here it's only gonna, yeah. I mean. I, I, I've said many times, whatever we think of what's going on now, it, I think in 10 years, five years, maybe, maybe even less than that, we're going to look back and say, gosh, these, these were benign times. Just, yeah. uh, you know, Facebook, what's, yeah. what, Facebook was nothing. Instagram, yeah. please, remember the, give me a break. Remember the good old the, days, Snapchat? It's only, there's going to be something we're going to yeah. say, are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, it, it's only going to get some, amped up. Some dickhead kid isn't sending some cock shot to your daughter or yeah. something. You're like, what? <laughs> those were the good old days. I mean, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> no, no, that's not... The good old days. Yeah. That was, that's that's yeah. now. How good a man was Tom Landry? Was he was he as good a man as 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 we all think? Or or I think so. Yeah, yeah. you know, because there are some that say he was also. 
could yeah, be. some of his former players would uh, would say that, and and uh, you know I never had the opportunity to play for Coach Landry. Mm-hmm. He left right as, right as, the, as yeah. I was coming in, but but I was around him a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I yeah I think he represented everything that people thought he stood for, yeah. and um, obviously was you know an icon for the Dallas Cowboys, and and uh, you know something we'll never see again. You know yeah. someone coaching a team for as long as what he did, and and what he meant to that organization. Yeah. Yeah, growing up with the Starbacks and yeah. the Dorsets, I mean, he was such a you know that, that and unfortunately he had cancer. And how about Jimmy Johnson? Um, how good. about him? <laughs> you, had, you had a good relationship. Yeah, with him. it didn't st- it didn't really start out that way. Jimmy recruited me when I was coming out of college, uh, or excuse me, coming out of high school to go to Oklahoma to go to Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State. And then he recruited me when I was transferring when I picked UCLA when he was at Miami. And then ultimately, he's the head coach when I'm coming out of college and and uh, and drafted me and. And then he drafted Steve Walsh uh, right. in the supplemental draft. So we got off to a tough start. We spent the first few years not really being very close. and But we, we worked through it. And uh, the last few years, of course, we were winning Super Bowls. So it, it helped with the relationship. But uh, he and I became really close by the time he left. And we're really close now. He's a very close friend of mine. Yeah. I usually get to the Keys once a year in the offseason and spend a little time with him. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I think he's uh, – I think he's a unique guy. Uh, I admire the fact that he knew what was going to make him happy, you know, at a pretty young age. Uh, and then he did everything he could to get out to the Keys and fish. And, yep. and he that's lives what in he's the doing. Keys? Lives in uh, Isla Mirada, and he lives right on, right on the, right on the water. Sure. Yeah. He fishes just about every morning. And uh, then he does the football, you know, the NFL on Fox on Sundays. Yeah during the football season. But uh, I See, think he, he just, can't be impartial when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. Um. Yeah, I don't know. You know, his his relationship with Jerry has been so yeah. up and down that I think sometimes he's a big fan and other times he's probably not. And but Jimmy is uh, he's one of those guys who will he'll certainly say whatever he wants to, and he's not afraid to do that. And I think that's why he's been pretty trusted on on the air as a as a broadcaster. Need more water? Yeah, I'm, no, I'm good. You're good. Because uh, I I I was looking at your Twitter here, your Twitter feed, and and I had never seen this Jimmy Johnson quote, but you you posted it. Gosh, a few weeks ago, you said, yeah. I saw this on Twitter. Jimmy Johnson was, was one of the best at knowing what motivated a player and how to get the most from him. So here's his quote. And I think for the listeners, you should write this down. Say, treat a person as he is, and he will remain as he is. Treat a person as if he were what he could be and should be, and he will become what he could be and should be. Right. You don't think of him. In, I don't think <clears throat> of him in that way to say things like that. You think of well, him. Well, he was a uh, he was a psychology major at Arkansas, and I think that he really believed that he could. Uh, he knew what buttons to push with each player to get them to be the player that he thought they could become. And and so I used the story that I, I'd seen him in a in a team meeting where he's called out a safety who was struggling, not playing particularly well, and and. Uh, he would tell him, he'd say, look, he says, you're, you're the best safety I've ever coached. And, uh, <laughs> I've never coached a safety better than you. You're most talented, blah, blah, blah. And the guy goes out there to practice and it's a different player. I mean, <laughs> he's playing with confidence. He believes that, you know, Hey, this coach feels that, that I'm this good. And he starts thinking of himself in that way. And I think that, I think that quote kind of captured what I had seen as a player and, and, and Jimmy's style. And I think that, you know, Jimmy gets credit for a lot of things. I think his two strengths as a coach was was one, his ability to uh, evaluate talent, mm. and then I think he was outstanding in terms of getting a team and or players ready to play in a week 
leading up to a game. I think he was okay on game day, but I think he was great during the week. Because you're not talking about in the locker room, like you win one for the Gipper. No, no. I'm talking about the preparation. Just the preparation. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, he'd come in on Monday and every Monday and have a, have a theme for the week on hmm. what he thought was going to be important. And I always thought that he was really good with that. It wasn't always the same old you know, speech to the team. It really was uh, focused on whoever it was we were facing and whatever the challenges were going to be for that particular week. And uh, so I thought he was excellent in preparing a football yeah, team. That's good. You reminded me. we got to talk about prep. But first I want to finish with these Cowboys because, I mean, there were some crazy boys. Michael Irvin, Nate Newton. I mean, these boys were crazy. Right. Like, they did whatever they wanted. Uh, the, it, well, at, at one point they did, yes. Yeah. They, not when Jimmy was there, and then uh, and then things got pretty loose. And yeah. and uh, I mean, Barry Switzer, I mean, it, come on. It it became where uh, yeah, guys were uh, were you know partaking in some extracurricular activities, and and <laughs> and it came back and bit us, you know. And yep. uh, and we didn't we weren't the team that we had been, and didn't play at the level that we should have. Is Jason Garrett the coach that we <clears throat> need? And he's a buddy. I'm sure he's a buddy of yours. Although yeah. he did, I I read that he called you out. Last season, he said something like, oh, Dak, you know, he's playing like Troy in his eighth year or something. And Joe Buck asked you, like, did he just call you out? No. Uh, <laughs> I think that was a compliment to Dak. I don't think it was a shot at me. You said that. You said, is, <coughs> you're like, I th- yeah, I think it was. I, I just read it. <laughs> I read about all about you today. He, uh, Jason is a good friend, and he was a, he was a backup to me for, for a lot of years. And, and I always knew he was going to go into coaching. Mm. I mean, you just tell. He was one of those guys who... That's what he was consumed with, and and he's done a heck of a job. It's a challenging job uh, to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. There's a lot that comes with that, and and uh, I think he's really smart. I think he's able to influence things and and still kind of keep his cool and not get frustrated. And uh, but yeah, I do think that, and I think he's starting to show that. And if Dak is the quarterback who we all think that he is, then you know Jason should be the coach there for a long, long time. Hmm. Well, Jerry, yeah, I mean, would you say what you will about Jerry. He's, it's, at least to me, he, he seems loyal. I mean, he stood, he stood with Jason Garrett a lot longer than a lot of people thought he would. He stood by Tony Romo yeah. a lot longer than he thought he would and kept paying him more and more and more, you know, than, much more than we ever thought he right. would. So that's, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. <laughs> uh, uh, let's finish up and talk about the prep because it okay. it's, it's, to me, it's, uh, and I've had to, this summer, and this will air, after the tour but so this summer i did a tour de france podcast every day and i had not followed the sport for years and so i had to go back and learn the name the players what their strengths were what their weaknesses were i had to call current guys and say okay this czechoslovakian guy what's what's his deal or this team they used to suck do they still suck you know i I didn't know so i had to literally do homework yeah and in my buddy that played with joe buck said i mean your notebook when you're prepping for a game is, is unlike, and, and not just a lot of content, but super organized, super specific, like you know right where to go. Right. But, I mean, you got new kids in the league every year. You got a different team every week. You got, obviously, a lot of personalities, a lot of different. Yeah. Ooh. I I think that, um, I mean, my nature uh, is that I want to be as prepared as I can be, no matter what it is. So, sure. I, so it just kind of is the way I'm wired, but... I think also, you know, the fan today is so much more knowledgeable than they were 15, 20 years ago. And you can't fool these, these fans. And so you have to do the, you have to put the time in, you have to know their team as, as well, if not better than they do. Because if you haven't had a Giants game for the first six weeks of the season, and then all of a sudden you have them week seven, 
and you go you go go into that game and you're talking about things that those fans who have been following this team all year and they say what this guy hadn't played well at all what right. are you talking about he's i mean you have you have to be up on it and and so i do spend a lot of time and it seems like each year because i'm sure you know whether it's getting ready for a podcast or getting ready to do the tour de france and there's always more to know. I mean, you never know everything that you want to know. And you, you know, I sit there and start thinking, you know, okay, well, what happens if this game comes down to the a field goal? And I need to know then what what this kicker's longest field goal right. is. So or that, that affects, you know, the strategy as far as what they're trying to do in the last drive. And so there's a, there's a, there is a lot of prep that, and, but I kind of enjoy that. I, mm. I do. It is time consuming. It, 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 it takes more time than I think most people think. Right. Um, I think most people think you generally just show up and you do the game because of what you know, and you're pretty much free during the week. That's that's not true, but but I do enjoy the prep and, and getting ready for each homework. Broadcast. That's your yeah. homework. I, and yeah. I, I, it's I, like I, an open book test, you know. Yeah. And then when you go into the booth, you got all your all your notes and everything in front of you, and and then you just let it rip. And then the 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 stats. Before I get to stats, you mentioned that that these fans know the game better than they ever have. Right. And I don't know why, because I don't play this, but this fantasy football craze, is it right. because of fantasy football or why? Uh, I know fantasy football has probably been one of the things that's made our sport as popular as yeah, this. You know, I, I mean, think. there's people who really probably wouldn't. My daughters got into a fantasy league that I put together with the family a couple of years ago, and then they're watching, you know, NFL. I mean, and the fact that the Dallas, every every sports section in America now has a yeah. section or part, a page dedicated to fantasy football. Yeah, it's a it's a huge deal. I, I've ne- I've played in some leagues. I, I'm not, you know, I haven't done well. I'm not really into my lineup or you know. Sometimes I've right. I've got four players that aren't even they've got buys that week and they're starting in my lineup you know and so i'm not a real good gm of the fantasy stuff but but it is amazing uh my fiance's kids two boys i listen to them and what they the amount of time that they put in getting ready for the draft my draft when i am in a league i put it on auto draft i mean i don't i I let the computer pick my team but it's a it's a huge deal and i think that that has uh has created you know more interest and and is one of the reasons i I think the other thing is is there's so much information that's so accessible that even if you're not a fantasy player if you just like a particular team you go on the website and you're getting you know great information and and there's these people who are just focused on those teams that are writing about them and so I think that's uh, just the the exposure is why these fans know. So, so the much. moral of the story for you folks listening at home that play fantasy football, if you select auto draft, you're you, will get, you will lose. You will lose. You're going right. to get smoked. You're going to get killed. Number eight, just yeah. that's it. Don't auto draft. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. God. <laughs> How important? And when you, when you, I know you do your research, but during the game, you know, there's always these stats. You know, there hasn't been 32 first downs since 1967. Right. There's got to be some little nerd over there that right. has all that. that right. just And he hands you a piece of paper and. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, you don't. I don't know. Right. Joe and Joe doesn't we've got um we do have statisticians that that come up with a lot of that information a lot of it is presented on saturday night uh we have a meeting and they roll graphics and there's some of those types of things that are in that package Mm -hmm. and then there's things that happen during a game that uh that they'll throw into joe's ear and let him know but um i don't know i think and i'm guilty of it sometimes I just don't. I think. I think we're in a world where it's just too much stats. I mean, I, I look at some of the stuff and I just think, you know, what's the context? I just don't know that people really care. And and so I try, and it's hard. It's hard when you're trying to say why a player's great, 
it's hard not to use numbers because hmm. uh, that's what that's kind of the fallback position. But you know, I try not to get into uh, numbers too much because when I go back and listen to my broadcast. I think that stats just go right over people's heads. I don't. Mm. I don't think they really pay much attention to it. I don't think it carries much depth yeah. to the analysis. So you go back and grade your stuff. Yeah, I fly home and I and I get I get a DVD of the game when I. Uh, now it's a memory stick, uh, but uh, they give it to me when I'm leaving the stadium. I pop it in my computer and I watch the game and and it's good. I you know because no one in this business, even though we're in the communication business, nobody really tells us. Yeah. No one tells you if you're doing the job well or not until they're until you're they're firing you. They, they just tell you it wasn't good enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like so Phil, ask to, Phil Sims. Yeah. How's, right. your, how's your you vacation know? going, <laughs> Phil? Well, I don't know. I just got hurt. I just read I got fired. So not too good. Yeah. You just got to you know you try to self evaluate and yeah. and figure it out for yourself. Yeah. All right. Last question. Why in the hell can I not find a video of your Hall of Fame? Uh, speech in, in induction. It's a good question. It uh, is nowhere. I've tried finding it as well it's because not, my fiance not, a, is it, not it, she didn't see it, and uh, and so I've tried to get it, and I thought, well, gosh, everything's everything's online, and 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 I haven't been able to. Look it is it. not. You pull, you type in Troy Aikman in, in Hall of Fame speech, Michael Irvin pops up. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, cool. Irvin's gonna introduce him, and then, right. then you like fast forward. I'm like, 20 minutes in. I'm like, what kind of introduction is this? Yeah, I don't know get, what get, happened. What do you mean? Um, I mean, how can you, you know, not that? Usually, That's what happens is, is it is there's some there's a, it's a conspiracy because you know then you do something dumb, say something dumb on a broadcast and and it's, it's all it's everywhere. Right. You know you do something you think was halfway decent and you can't find the damn thing. Yeah. So it's cr I'm gonna look into that though because when I did Favre, I watched his speech which was amazing, and I'm like I, you know I, I wanted to watch it. The the yeah. text of it is on the Hall of Fame site. Okay. So North Turner the introduction right. and then you can read it, but that's not like watching it. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Troy. You got him, man. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Forward Podcast. Like, uh, like I said at the top of the show, if you have anything you want to say, if you have a suggestion, please. God knows I need suggestions. Um, or questions or concerns or criticisms or whatever. Let me know. Send me an email. Send it to the forward podcast at we do sport.com. I know it's long. I know it's a little confusing. The forward podcast at we do w e d u sport singular.com. The forward podcast at we do sport.com. 